Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transform Now podcast. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Today, I'm happy to have as my guest my colleague, Patrick Lovelace, Senior Director of Healthcare Strategy at Blue Prism. Patrick has been focused on the healthcare industry for his entire career, and he and I will be discussing the enormous opportunity for automation across all segments of this industry. Patrick, welcome. It's great to have you on the show with me today. Hey, Brad. It's uh, really good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. Why don't you start us out with an introduction? Tell us about your background and what ultimately led you into the intelligent automation area. Yeah, sure. Well, I began my career 30 years or so ago. I'm a nurse still today. I've held an RN license for the whole time, 31 years, but I actually started in healthcare when I was in high school as a phlebotomist, drawing blood in the ER of a, of a local hospital. And it just led me into meeting nurses and other care providers and kind of fell into the industry and really loved it, right? And I, the, the part of being empathetic to recovery and care and all of that was just really intrigued me and was part of what I did in my background. I didn't stay in patient care for very long, but I did enjoy some time in the ICU through almost cradle to grave, right? So I, I spent time in maternity all the way through home health and hospice, but majority of my time was that of an ICU nurse. I was also at that time sort of on the cusp of several, let's call it revolutionary things. And to a degree, that's what led me into this newest revolution in around automation. And those things back then it were, you know, advent of electronic health records, right? Like those were coming out when I spent my time as a nurse, largely driven by meaningful use dollars and things like that. But there were other areas of, you know, the prospective payment systems that had been out for a few years, managed care that ultimately to some degrees moved into value-based care, and then all the other things that were going on technology-wise in the environment. So it just seemed like a natural extension when I learned about intelligent automation and I found Blue Prism and it just was a very good fit for me. Patrick, I would think that being in the industry as long as you have been and seeing things on both sides of the fence, that you have an even deeper appreciation for the potential benefits of automation in this industry and just the impact that it could have on so many different aspects of it. Is that true? That's true. It's, it's so much broader speaking applicability to healthcare. From my years of working with various vendors on, on point specific solutions, they solved specific things, but intelligent automation is so much broader in terms of its applicability in healthcare. It, it allows me as an individual to, to work across industries, pharmaceutical payers, providers, and that's extremely exciting to me. So Patrick, why is healthcare in your opinion, ripe for automation? Yeah, well, there's no shortage of 
people pontificating about this or highlighting the common factors that have existed for years, like various siloed data and lack of interoperability, despite all the efforts that we've had over the years to create interoperability or just having something like a unique patient identifier that we can't do. It just creates a lot of complexity in the data environment. You lay over the regulatory side of it, that everything is done in the scope of regulatory requirements and as well as other risk factors. And then in light of here, what we're dealing with lately, it's the issues of escalating expenses, whether that be the supply chain and finding alternate sources of supplies or obviously staffing and contract management is a big deal right now. So mm -hmm. those are the highest things that we look at addressing in terms of cost reduction. But then as you get into cost reduction, you start talking about, well, what is healthcare trying to do overall? Like we're trying mm -hmm. to lower cost across the board. We're trying to improve care across the board, care and access for individuals and improve the experience of not only patients, but the caregivers so that they'll appreciate doing their job. And I think that's all where this fits together with intelligent automation, freeing up people, particularly clinicians, to do what they train to do. Patrick, I read a recent McKinsey article that said, essentially, if the healthcare delivery industry could rely more heavily on labor productivity gains rather than workforce expansion to meet the high growth and demand, by 2028, healthcare spending could potentially be about 280 to $550 billion less than current national health expenditure projections suggest. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I could just immediately point to any number of articles that have come out in the last month or so of all the major health systems that, you know, their revenues have declined fairly, or not their revenues, their expenses have increased significantly. There was an article that just came out reporting on Ascension Health, one of the largest, if not the largest faith-based not-for-profit in the U.S., and their operating expense climbed to $28 billion in the last 12 mm. months, ending June 30th. And that's resulted in, in other factors such as the stock market going down and the COVID dollars running out to being a very significant operating loss to this organization. So if we're talking about the system posting a year earlier, $5.7 billion profit, and now they're looking at a $1.8 billion loss for the last 12 months, not mm -hmm. hard to see where McKinsey would come up with those numbers. And this right. is just about every major health system out there reporting these problems right now. Yeah, no doubt. So where do you think the opportunities for automation are the heaviest? Are they on the payer or the provider side? I think it's equally opportunistic. They're just for typically for maybe different reasons, at least initially. Payers over the years have addressed their high volume, high transactional claims processing. It was right for automation and it made them more competitive and more cost effective. You look at the healthcare side with providers, you've got to think of a much larger blended ecosystem of care delivery. You know, just look at the difference in how services are delivered between, say, a doctor's office and an infusion center, right? And how they schedule an infusion center and repetitive visits, right? I mean, just everything varies. But on the hospital provider side, I think the value is really more forward-looking. So as an example, we, again, we just talked about the expenses extension, which is largely due to labor costs going up. And it's also in tune to the shortages that we're looking at for nurses in, in the next five or 10 years, for doctors in the next five or 10 years. So I think automation, although it will not necessarily graduate more doctors and nurses from those schools to get into the mm -hmm. workforce, it absolutely is going to have an impact on the long run of getting clinical people out of administrative processes so they can focus on patient care, right? So mm. 
Okay. There's a tremendous opportunity. They're just they're for different reasons. And, you know, I could also go into, say, the pharmaceutical side. I could go into the state Medicaid side. I think that one's worth mentioning really quickly. Medicaid is facing the great unwind right now for the public health emergency when it stops. Mm -hmm. And there's some 15 million people across the U.S. that are going to have to be redetermined for their eligibility in Medicaid. Well, that's a reach out, connect, contact, update information process on 15 million people. That's really right for automation, right? Mm. But what we really are advising our clients to think about is not just that first step of transactional volume, but you're going to communicate and build a relationship with these recipients. Let's start improving their care. Let's advising them on things that will help them with care and education as well. Mm. Okay. Between those different segments, payers, providers, and even the life sciences sector that you mentioned, which of those three do you think has been the most aggressive in embracing automation to date? That's a really good question. On the health system side, the ones that have been aggressive is a smaller cohort, right? I've seen that over my career. You can count on a number of health systems by name to be the more innovative groups and launch things at first, right? And so if you look at that pocket, then it's fairly comparable to the way life sciences jumped onto this bandwagon six years ago with automation and have mm -hmm. become mature over six years. They started out learning and like data migration, right? Hey, if we can do data migration, what can we do next? Mm -hmm. But they've had five years of advancing this stuff along. So I'd, it's fairly equal. If I had to pick one, I would probably pick the life sciences industry just from the sheer volume of revenue focus, publicly traded companies, the bigger issues that they want to address with driving automation to the mm -hmm. benefit of shareholder value, for example. Mm -hmm. I do see right now with life sciences, their biggest push is to get into the things that the health system want to collaborate on, right? Like real right. world evidence of improvement of the things that they offer to patients and what patients report back to the life sciences industry. So mm. it's moving yeah. in that direction, but there's a lot more opportunity on the baseline with life sciences. Yeah. I know that when the pandemic arrived and companies were working double time, triple time to try to get vaccines developed, two of the first three pharmaceutical companies to come forward with the vaccine happened to be Blue Prism customers. Do you think automation played a significant role in enabling these companies to get there faster than the rest? Yeah, we'd been supporting sort of the clinical trial environment to a degree prior to COVID, but it, it, for those that had already looked into it or had begun working on it, it became a, just a quick asset to utilize to, and it was, it, I think there's a very succinct story out there that Pfizer's articulated in and around this, but it wasn't just the sort of the clinical trial side, which is inherently again, dealing with manual data, you know, unstructured data and silos and moving that data around to get to insights and as well as adverse reactions and stuff like that. It just clearly sped up that information sharing. But it also led into supply chain distribution or the way we're shipping this stuff out and did it get to the end point and, and things like that, that, that helped with just the fast distribution of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Got you. Patrick, how would you describe the typical adoption pattern for healthcare companies when it comes to new or emerging technologies? Is it much slower than in other industries? Are they more risk averse? Yeah, again, it's it's very blended on the health system side. You definitely have a number of typical systems that innovate early and integrate internally so that they can continue to deploy. 
Some of the big ones like Kaiser would be a good example of that. They learned how to do this early on. Others rely on an ecosystem of our partners to not only implement the first round, but support them in an ongoing manner. So, I mean, healthcare is inherently over the years embraced outsourcing of high volume services. So to a degree, you're, and this is where the pharmaceutical life science industry embraced it early on was, hey, we outsourced all this. What can we mm-hmm. unoutsource by bringing it back in and automating it? And so healthcare is looking at that now, but there's a lot that has been built infrastructure-wise. For example, revenue cycle management outsourcing companies mm-hmm. that are using automation themselves. So it's, it's kind of complicated in terms of how they go about adopting it. I would say Blue Prism has probably 10 or so of these innovative leaders that have been on the bandwagon for a number of years. And they're at the point now where they're scaling out of RevCycle into patient Mm -hmm. care and other areas like that. Okay. Patrick, could you share a couple of healthcare automation success stories from Blue Prism customers that you would hold up as really good examples of what's possible with intelligent automation? Sure. Well, I tend to draw a comparison between our presence in the UK and the NHS, which is, again, it's been a number of years that they've built up their capabilities. Yep. And if you're familiar with the difference between the UK health system and the US health system, there's a lot of simplicity in the UK in terms of payment and structure. And so they've focused over all these years and it really have been able to focus on the clinical front line, right? Like freeing up the clinical front line. And because they had been doing that for a couple of years prior to COVID, when COVID hit, they were just set for automating in and around the COVID, whether that be reporting to the, the regulatory bodies or mm-hmm. trying to figure out a new pathway to get patients in for referrals that were sick. And in the UK, they've got a long line of individuals now that are waiting to get back into elective surgery. So automation becomes extremely valuable to speeding up that system. Over in the U.S., it's more of a dartboard and throw, <laughs> throwing darts at a dartboard <laughs> at what you want to automate. So I think there's a great deal of opportunity to get it under your belt, but then go out and discover more processes through process intelligence. So in the U.S., where we've seen some really good successes, for example, the, the largest not-for-profit in the Southwest is a client of ours there. They've got some 13 hospitals and a lot of safety net and home health or the integrated, you know, delivery provider from that aspect. Anyway, this big organization began several years ago and sort of the data migration they've built up over the years through acquisitions and mergers. So like a lot of health systems, including a client I have here in Atlanta, they have some 30 different electronic health records that they've, from a legacy standpoint, they may have to go pull data out of. So Mm -hmm. this client decided let's merge them all together. Let's put them in one data source. So they were able to use digital labor to, um, to migrate some 7 million records from these various systems into one core system, excuse me, 72 million records that they handled over just two years. Yeah. And that, that drove in their calculations, some 1.2 million hours back to the business. And they were able to complete that with 43 of our digital workers instead of humans, right? 43 units of labor that work 24, seven, 365, getting the work done without error, never making transposition Mm -hmm. errors and that kind of stuff. So. I would take that and say from that experience in migrating records, this client, they went and tackled another area that not only freed up labor, but gave them a positive financial impact. So from learning on the data, the record migration, they moved over to their 340B program, 
mm-hmm. which is where the federal government subsidizes and purchases medications and sells them at a discount back to eligible patients. But it's highly regulated, has highly specific workflows with physician orders. And if you do it all the right, right way, you stay out of compliance problem and you get reimbursed on it. And they automated 250,000 records processed in less than two years on that one area of business for them. And it's drove mm. additional positive reimbursement for them. So those are the couple that I would share right out of the gate. I would encourage any of the listeners here to go out onto the Blue Prism website and look at some of the other stories that we have out there, whether that be through the pharmaceutical life science or the provider side or insurance side. Those are awesome examples. Thanks for sharing those. Mm-hmm. Patrick, let's talk about the merger of SSNC and Blue Prism. The healthcare industry is a priority vertical for both companies. And you always are kind of thinking one step ahead in healthcare. So I wanted to ask you, what do you see as some of the opportunities that are created by the merger of these two companies? Yeah. Well, new solutions, old solutions, right? Like old problems, new solutions. (laughs) For the start, it just opens up a much greater opportunity to address more things. For example, SS&C comes with a tremendous amount of experience on the payer side as well as the provider side, but in and around plan distribution and so forth. So they're very, they have a lot of resources and connectivity and processes as well as platforms that focus on quality metrics, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the reporting of things that demonstrate how effective a health plan was, EDIS, right? Which yep. down the road means they get more reimbursement or STARS, they get more contracts or whatever yep. Medicare Advantage. So that, to me, that intersect of what we and our team on Blue Prism have been doing with the same clients on transactional mm-hmm. claims processing, but on the health provider side, that th- there's this merging harmonization that's going right. on between the two, and it just gives us greater bil- ability to address those things through quicker solutions, right? So mm-hmm. foundational yeah. being intelligent automation on the Blue Prism side, foundation being business process management and orchestration on the SS&C side, they're just a perfect marriage. And then the yeah. last point I'll make is that's been really exciting for me is just that there are a ton of, there are a ton more of healthcare subject matter expertise and resources on the SS&C mm-hmm. side that's just opened yeah. up, opened the door for my colleagues on Blue Prism yeah. uh, to a yeah. great degree. So really good insights there. I mean, to me, it brings the hybrid workforce to the forefront. We always talk about that, right? We bifurcate mm-hmm. the work. We say some work really should only be done by humans. Other work should only be done by digital workers. And SS&C has the, as you said, the experience and the depth of knowledge in the, in the industry where they can do with their outsourcing services, their human-based outsourcing services, they can handle that side. Our digital workers can do the other side. So I think it's a really compelling opportunity for both companies in a vertical that's a big priority for both of us. That's a really good point. They're, they're not only merging the two labor sources, but providing the technology in the latest environment of cloud, right. micro containers, all that kind of stuff that, that, that will enhance the digital experience of the consumers as well. So it, yeah. it's a much about the system and the ecosystem that we're merging the technologies together to be able to deliver this to, the, to our clients. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Patrick, as we wrap up our conversation here, let me ask you, what excites you the most about the intersection of intelligent automation and healthcare? Regardless of whether you're the vendor or you're the client, when you embrace this and you learn it and you see the value of automation to the organization, you become the center focal point to 
all the current initiatives, the biggest initiatives that an organization are trying to do. So it places you in the middle of that to facilitate between the business and the IT and the output, right? And so that's what excites me the most. I clearly don't know everything in healthcare by any means. I have a great clinical background. When I get into the pharmaceutical side, I understand that side, but it's just that the platform gives us a way to, to communicate and collaborate with our clients and our clients to do that internally with their clients and customers to find out what do we need to address next. That's what I like the most about the, the intelligent automation space. And that that's extensible into artificial intelligence, not just automating work, but how do we leverage new technologies next month or next year to further this automation? into patient outreach, into patient care, into really making an impact on cost and care. Very well said. Yeah, to me, healthcare uh, affects all of us, right? And when you make the industry better, more efficient, you relieve the pressure on the healthcare workers, the patient wins every time. The patient is the one that benefits the most. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We're all patients, whether that's now or in the future, we're all there. Mm -hmm. So I think employers are the same in the same boat, right? They're part of this equation too. And if we can lower healthcare costs for employers, then it's going to improve the work environment and their ability to hire more people. Right, right. No doubt. Patrick, your passion for healthcare is quite evident and it really carries over to your passion for automating this industry. Clearly, this is about more than just cost savings and creating efficiencies. As we discussed, it's about helping medical professionals who are overburdened, overworked, and ultimately that's better for all of us as patients, better for patient care in general. So thank you for sharing your perspective. I really enjoyed the chat with you and I wish you the best. It's been fun, Brad. I appreciate it and hope to do it again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blue Prism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.